I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast, along with my partner, Brian Siegler. I am Curtis Wilson, and this episode is brought to you by Dr. Jeremy Counts down at the Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, your friendly neighborhood pharmacy, 301 South Main Street, Blacksburg, Virginia. Buddy, it's been a long time since it's been a two-man show. Yeah, man, it's uh, it, it's kind of weird seeing just me and you on this, this picture here, man. It's been... Uh, about a year this time uh, in 2023 when last time we went, just uh, me and you on the solo here. 100% about a year ago. Now, I, I, our other two guys, uh, Tally and uh, Shelton, um, out tonight. Shelton is knee-deep into the Hokies BC game right now, writing an article for Key Play. Obviously, he'll bring some knowledge back when he comes with us. Tally's got some personal things going on. Um uh, if you're not aware, Tally's son got injured uh, in some basketball practice about a month and a half ago. Um, they were finally getting that straight, getting cast off, so he's having to take care of him, which we completely understand being fathers ourselves. They both will be back very soon, and we definitely miss them tonight because uh, we're a team here. So, um, But, uh, Brian, has everything been going on your end? You got the game up. I mean, Toki's up five with right at six minutes left. Uh, up six, Poteet makes the free throw. Yeah, I got the game on. Been following a little bit here. You know, a lead's lead, man. I'll take it. A lead's the, a lead. The, the, way, the way this team has kind of been up and down in the month of January in particular, I'll take a lead right now. Take a lead that is now seven points. So we'll be we'll be continuing to follow that, make little updates here throughout the episode. Got quite a few things to unload tonight. At the back half of the episode, we are going to reveal what we call the perfect schedule. Yes, we know some things got leaked today and some things were put out there, but we still had our perfect schedules the way we felt would be the best for the Hokies in 2024. We're going to discuss that. 
And we're also going to be discussing the early enrollees. There were nine of this 2024 class already on campus, already in winter workouts, kind of taking a look at those guys and seeing potentially who can make impact. Special team, is anybody going to need to sit a year? But, Brian, this afternoon, man, I mean, you talk about – I don't know how to express it. Like, a guy, we were kids when he was playing. Um, we've watched his – you know, on field as a coach, but what a pleasure it was this afternoon sitting with JC Price. Yeah, man, it was definitely uh, kind of surreal, right? Um, yeah, that's probably the best way to uh, to describe it here. Kind of surreal, uh, you know, somebody that you know when we first got got into following the Hokies. I mean, he was that guy, um, and, and as a guy that was. Uh, was living in the trenches about that time playing rec ball, starting to get, you know, looking at middle school football, like guy like that was somebody that you kind of looked up to. And uh, obviously with him being a GA in the early two thousands and coming back to the Hokies a few years back, I mean, this is kind of a, a big full circle moment, getting him on the podcast and being able to talk to him and, uh, and, and kind of cut up a little bit, man, because he's a big personality and he definitely lets that shine. Well, he does let it shine, and we had him for about 30 minutes this afternoon. Um, he was up in at a barbecue joint in Northern Virginia or up in the DC, Northern Virginia area, um, traveling this week. So, Brian, uh, without further ado, uh, let's go ahead and let's play our interview with coach and hokey legend JC Price. Boundary Corner Podcast listeners, today we have a very special guest with us. He is currently the defensive line coach for your Virginia Tech Hokies. He is a Hokie legend himself, playing from 1992 to 1995, where he was an All-American. He also is a holder of the lunch pail. Ladies and gentlemen, this is J.C. Price. Coach Price. Hey, how we doing? Hey, Coach, how we doing today? Doing great, man, doing great. How you – Looks like you. where are you, Coach? Uh – I'm at like a barbecue joint here in D.C. Uh, kind of rolled in here. You know, I rolled in a little earlier than I thought. I, I didn't realize. I thought the, the ride from Raleigh would be a little bit longer. And I uh, just stopped off, grabbed something to eat. It's a great spot. I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not Quinn with the expert dining tips, but <laughs> this place is pretty – the brisket was pretty good. Nice. Hey, we can still break bread hokey style there. That's, there all, that's what it's all about. Bread hokey style. <laughs> no question. All right, coach. So I know you got a you got a, a thin window here. You, you're on the road. You're, you're doing a lot of uh, talking to recruits this week. So, um, where are you heading the rest of the week? What's what's like kind of on your schedule and, uh, yeah. and 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 who are we looking at? Well, this uh, the week started off yesterday, or actually uh, yesterday, in Raleigh, and, and basically right now this week I'm, I'm seeing D linemen. You know, seeing some D linemen that aren't in my primary recruiting area um so i'll be i was in raleigh yesterday in durham now i'm up here in dc which i still recruit a little bit of maryland emerging from maryland so me eb and my coach pride will be, will be floating around dc area tomorrow and a little bit on uh, a little bit on thursday and then i'll, uh, I'll finish my week by driving up and seeing a young man up there in jersey Okay, so you're, you're kind of touching on the, 
The entire Mid Atlantic, man. Yeah. The entire Mid Atlantic. <laughs> I'm not sure if New Jersey is the, the furthest point north of the footprint or not. That's where I'll be going. So, so, that's, so that's still in a six hour window, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. In the footprint. Well, let's talk about this. What has been the biggest key to success when it comes to recruiting, not only the high schoolers, but also the portal guys to Blacksburg? Because obviously, we've seen a change in the last few years with what, what you and other members. And then you, on top of that, you put, you know, us in a room of kids, and we're just ourselves. We, we try to show the kids who we are every day. We don't, we don't try to put on a false bravado or a front and try to be somebody we're not when they're there, and be somebody different when they get on campus. We, we just who we are. We're, we're a group of guys who have the same common goals and enjoy being around each other. And, and Coach Prize put together a hell of a staff. And it's, you know, a staff of like-minded people, and um, you know we have a good time every day. And we just, you know, when you, when you, uh, when you have fun every day at work, I don't know if you can call it work. Yeah, I, that, that's I, I love you saying that because it's, you talk like-minded people, and you are who you are. Because you know they are, like you said, who you are on the road is who you are in Blacksburg, and you know. I love hearing that. And obviously we know you are who you are because we, we, we were chopping it up with coach price for a few minutes before we hopped on and y'all, this is who he is behind the scenes. This is who he is right up front uh, in living color talking to us today. Oh, I, I tell people all the time, I'm too old to lie. I can't I ain't worry about that. You know? <laughs> too old and too dumb yeah, we, to lie. Just, just go be yourself and, uh, you know, and just present Blacksburg for what it is. The greatest small college town in America. And uh, absolutely, either you know, it's going to resonate with some kids, and some kids it's, it's not for. And if it's not for you, that's okay. You know, you know, you can only you, you only go to one school. So, yep. And I mean, it's good hearing that. And I know you talked about uh, you know just being your your authentic selves. And you know, we we had some some feedback directly on that. We had uh, uh, Keelan Adams' dad on, and uh, um, Kyron Drones' dad on back before the holidays there, and. Yeah, that that was the thing that they kept talking about throughout that episode was just how personal you guys are and how you you are who you are, whether you're getting talked to outside of the recruiting cycle or you know whatever it is, you know you guys have always been authentic the whole time. So I think that's that's big for sure, um, and that that's that's definitely resonating. Um, let's let's flip it a little bit to more um, kind of current roster, upcoming roster. Mm-hmm. You know, last season D line helped the Hokies. Uh, top 15 in sacks in the country. You got, you got Kendricks, Payne, and Pollard moving on, obviously, at this point. But you kind of turned to the portal into the junior college uh, ranks and got three impressive folks coming in with Peebles, Gilliam, and Copeland. With those big holes to fill in the interior, what do you like most about each of those additions? Well, you know, first thing is, you know, when you, when you lose three valuable players who play, I mean, you think about Norrell and Mario who play a lot of football and then, just the impact that Phil Darius made his one year of eligibility because he, you know, had set the year to torn Achilles. You know, we looked and it was it was kind of a strange deal because you have guys, you know, that are within the pipeline and, and we felt like, you know, and I'm excited about those guys that are coming up. But all three of them had, you know, a major injury. They didn't get to practice a lot, you know. So we felt like their development was probably a little bit behind because they, they didn't get to practice much, you know. Gunner had the thumb, then the knee. Malachi had the knee, Lamar had the, you know, it was a back. It was just, you know, so it kind of stunned the growth a little bit. So we thought there was definitely a need to go out and get some guys who played a lot of ball. And 
how blessed are we to get an ES Peoples, man? I mean, you talk about a guy who can go. Proven proven player in the ACC, all conference. I mean, golly, man. I, yeah. I pinch myself every day. I, I couldn't <laughs> wait to get him on campus and lock him in. I just was pinching myself every day. That we, you know, Chief did a great job with the prior relationship with the family, and uh, you know, he would help recruit him to Duke to begin with. Yep. And, you know, and, and there was pressure on him to return to Duke. And, you know, he stuck to his word. And, man, he's on campus right now lighting it up. Um, you know, Kelvin Gillian, Holland Springs guy. You know, I, I, I couldn't actually recruit him when he came out because I was at Marshall. So he was a little bit out of my range when I was at Marshall. <laughs> but a little disappointed he didn't go to Tech to begin with. But he chose yeah. to go to Oklahoma. And uh, I think it's going to be a, a really good deal for him because we play a, we're going to play a different style than they played in Oklahoma. I think it's going to definitely fit his – skill set a little bit more and um real excited to have him and i mean kamari i mean what a story kamari has i mean that guy he was down there in 757 uh high school one one of the best high school coaches in in the 757 he's retired now got in chris dewitt which is a good friend of mine i was at marshall and we were recruiting him he was playing middle linebacker and of course, I was recruiting to be a D lineman. I didn't tell him I was recruiting to be a linebacker. <laughs> but uh, after I saw him run, and then you know, it didn't work out for us at Marshall. You know, he wanted a little bit more high academic side, so he ended up going to Army, and and then didn't the Army wasn't for him, and so then he went to the JUCO. Which shout out to the Iowa Western guys. You talk about a junior college is doing it right, uh, holding guys accountable, not just taking any. Any Tom, Dick, and Harry off the street, you know, vetting the guys, taking the right guys into the program and holding them accountable. I mean, Iowa Western needs to be a staple for our recruiting process every year. And, and Kamari fit that build. And with their, their athletic ability, man, I'm, I'm really excited to have those guys. Man, that's that's great to hear. The, yeah, the, Ane- the Aeneas Peoples one, obviously, we got to see him play in that bowl game. And then the last play of the bowl game, right, before Duke, yeah. which I think it's impressive, and it says a lot about y'all. Um, y'all let him, you know, it wasn't any ill will. Like, you want to go play with your old school? Go play. Have a great yeah. time. Enjoy those perks. He goes out there and balls, including makes the basically the game-winning tackle or game-winning yeah. stack there, and you just saw with him. Um, you know, Gillen, the, the Copeland story is an amazing story, and it also shows you that young man's work ethic, right? Like, he, he didn't quit. He didn't quit. So, so many people would stop on that. And um, I, I want to kind of keep it in-house, but keep worth that given how things are going. But what returning player in your position room last year that will be back this year showed the most growth from this point last year, winter workouts, until the bowl game at Tulane? Who took the biggest steps um, in your eyes um, in, in whatever way? I'd probably, you know, I'd probably have to say Cole Nelson. You know, I think Cole, in the last couple of years, he had a, a foot that was bothering him, and um, he was he was fighting through it. And, you know, he didn't start at the beginning of the season. You know, uh, Keyshawn Burgess had a hell of a camp and was penciled in as a starter, and, and all Cole did was keep working. And, you know, obviously, he showed some things this year that he hadn't shown before, some playmaking abilities that, that I asked him, you know, you know. He, he had to show those qualities. You know, he, he had been a steady Eddie guy and kind of a, I'm always going to be in the right place, but he wasn't making splash plays until this year. And I think it a little bit had to do with his foot getting a little bit better. And all of a sudden you, you, you saw his athletic ability, but 
Cole has the toughness in leadership that, that we desperately need, and, and that he's done a great job already. You know, we haven't really seen the guys. That's what's crazy. You know, we get back we get back from uh, the bowl game, and we, we immediately go on the road, and those guys start working out. And uh, and I know Cole has is, is, is been in touch with me and let me know how things are going, and he's, he's just become a great leader and a great player for us. Let me ask this, Coach Price, and how you like how you guys deal with it. Because you mentioned Cole with the foot injury. When you go, when you know a guy is nicked up or a guy isn't quite right, you have the training staff. <laughs> but how important is it having the relationship where they they're willing to tell you, Coach, this isn't feeling right? Because obviously you're out there and you're having to make decisions. You know, of who's going to start, rotate, who's yep. going to play my nickel sets, who's going to maybe play a, a three technique when we go with a small package. How important is it for, that they come to you? Like you're laughing. Go ahead, coach. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, it, it's 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 important that they communicate, and it's important. I tell the guys, don't. Don't think being in the training room is a sign of weakness. That doesn't mean that you're weak. That means you preempt or you continue. Once something bothers you, it's going to bother you until the season's over. Yeah. But the thing I always tell them, I, is this PG on this thing or is this? No, no sir. You can let, let it ride. <laughs> so what I tell them all the time is nobody gives a shit. Okay, yeah. If you play, you're not hurt. Right? They're not going to have the asterisks in the comments. The Hokies played today, but Cole Nelson wasn't feeling good. Nobody gives a shit. If you're on the field – you're expected to perform, expect to play. Now, if you're injured, then you can't play. That's different. But if you, you know, hurt, being hurt and fighting through injuries are, is a part of sports in general. I have a daughter that's fighting through a, a knee right now. It's an 11th grader. So it's just, that's a part of the deal. If you, if you want to be a major college athlete, then you got to learn how to fight through it. But they always get on me. Oh, it won't be in the paper that I'm playing. You know, there's no aspect. I'm not going to change the score because Cole wasn't feeling good today. So that's why. That's why I started laughing. <laughs> he only he only had two tackles, but he's got a he's got a knee that he's dealing with. So you know, yeah, that's yeah, all right. So, so, so be be easy on him. In the press <laughs> nobody cares, man. Nobody cares. I told him I care. Yeah. I care, but nobody else outside the building cares. Well, it, what happens so much with us as fans if we see a guy not playing that great when, when they've exploded a few games before. It's like, hey, what's wrong? Did he, did he tweak something? Yeah. And, and it's like you said, you, they've got to fight through it. But if they're not communicating with what the issue is, like, I know that probably frustrates you when you see somebody not as explosive and you're like, listen. Well, well I know why. You guys yeah. won't know why because we're not the NFL. We don't have to dis disclose our injuries. Yeah. You know, <laughs> or, so. You know, you know, the NFL has to do it for all the gambling sites, right? They got to make oh, yeah. sure who's playing everything. Where, you know, we try to keep those things in house, and because that, that you, we don't want to give our opponents a an advantage because sure. they know somebody's a little dinged up or or whatnot. And it's yeah. nobody's business but ours, and it, it is frustrating sometimes when you see a guy really have two great weeks, and all of a sudden he doesn't play up to his capabilities. But that, that's all part of it. You've got to be able to to navigate that and work through it. You got guys like me that go back and watch the tape. I was like, "Is he is he a little is step slower? Is this like a matchup issue? Like what what's what's happening here?" Yeah, Coach Price gained ten pounds this week. He's not coaching as well. So. <laughs> oh god! Nobody cares, man. Nobody cares. That's right. That's right. You, you nailed that one. Um, let, let's uh, let's turn it over a little bit here. Um, so last season, Coach Price came in and. 
he kind of kept a good hold of the reins of the defense last year, um, and then that got fully handed over to uh, Coach Marv in year two. Um, what's the biggest, I'll say, the non-tendency difference between Coach Pry and Coach Marv as a defensive coordinator? You know, Marv, Marv was brought up under Coach Price too, lived and played for Coach Price. So there, there's not, there's not a lot of difference. Maybe uh, some third down stuff, but you know, our first and second down calls are probably the same that that, that Coach Price used his whole career. And and don't get it wrong, now he was in our meetings. So don't don't think he wasn't in there voicing things just because he wasn't calling it. <laughs> but. Uh, you know, Mar- Marvin. He loosened guy. the reins. He didn't. Yeah, yeah, they don't hand him nothing over. No, he was. He was in the meetings plenty. Don't worry about that. You know, I, and I think we got better as as we simplified things, as we eliminated some calls. You know, the biggest difference between this year and, and last year, one, I did a better job coaching the D line as far as getting off blocks and, and getting more of what Coach Pry wanted to see out of us. And then, you know, last year we, we struggled playing man coverage, and this year we could, you know. And, and me, anytime Mars mentions, you know, what do you want to play? I want to play man coverage, and Cheetah wants to play man coverage because <laughs> I, I'd say man coverage equals sacks. That's a, so that's a mentality, right? That's a mentality. 100%. And, uh, so we were able to do that. Obviously, we had two, two of the best corners in the ACC, and, and – and, what a testament to our staff and, and, and our culture to get all those guys back, man. We're so excited leaving going into next year. Was yeah. having a better feel for like personnel and, and that, that comfort level was did that play any into that uh those decisions as well or, or was it just more of uh you got better and you were able to kind of lean on those things that you wanted to do more often? Well I think anytime, you know, First of all, the first year, we still had some guys who were on the fence, didn't really. So the first year, you had guys who were, all right, do I really want to buy in this culture? Do I really want to put in what, what we think, what we deem as necessary to go win a championship? And and we still had guys that were that were not bought in. And and I would say we, we had even more guys this year that, than ever before that were bought into what we think what it takes, necessary mentality and, and those things it takes to win a championship. And being selfless and being team first and all those things, which, you know, that, that led, you know, for us to stay together after a one and three start and finish seven, six, I think it's a testament, not just to the coaching staff, but to the players, to yeah. the leadership on this team, you know, and Narelle Pollard coming back for, for another year of his COVID year. And, and what we talked to him about, don't come back and be the same guy, you know, leave, leave a legacy mark of, of good, not just going to a bowl, but going, but winning the bowl because we hadn't done that in so long, and and that's what he did, and, and, and that just, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. But now we got to take the next step. Yeah, got to take the next step. Um, l- let me ask this because you you mentioned the one and three start, and then obviously the rebound in the last eight games, going five and three. You know, keeping the Commonwealth Cup in Blacksburg. But I want to go back to the Syracuse game because that night. Your defensive line wreaked absolute havoc on them. But tell me from like a sideline perspective when like all the practice that we every like every you know every calls clicking everything you tell them they're doing. Like is it just is it slow mo for you guys or is it just so fast paced it's like bam another sack another tackle for loss. Uh, As a coach, you know you have you have some of those nights where you roll out there and it's just your night. And that's kind of how that felt. It was, 
whatever Marv called, whatever I asked to be able to do, we were just rolling sevens. And it was just, <laughs> you know, you got to have those nights. And then you have nights where you're on the other side, you know, and no matter what you do, this, this doesn't seem to, to, to work. And uh, it's definitely a lot more fun when you're rolling sevens on the sidelines than when you're not. So but it, that was a fun night for sure. A hundred percent. And um, l- let me throw one. This is my throwback question. This is the only throwback question right now because you answer real good. I'm going to go back 1995 after the Cincinnati lost their stories. We've talked with some of your teammates from 1995, the white Vic being one. Um, y'all called a players only meeting. Before the Miami game, you're 0-2. Um, this isn't like 93-94 where Tech was riding. Some bad stuff had happened. Can you divulge anything you or any of the captains or anyone said in that meeting that sparked that run from the Miami game where the first time we beat them to beating Texas in the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans on New Year's Eve? Because, I mean, I think for me and Brian, that I was 12 years old. That's kind of the first season I remember. Like, mm-hmm. I can remember pieces of that season. Um but what happened in that meeting? If you can divulge, if you can, if it's yeah, no. fun, you know, we get it. No, it, it was it was actually we never really called it a, a uh, players only meeting. It was actually we you know we used to go to those halftime locker rooms after the game, and it was st- it, we were in the locker room after the Cincinnati game. And you know, I know I get a lot of credit for being a leader on that team, but the guy who really stood up was Jim Barron. Jim Barron said, we're not, we're done with this shit and, and we're going to work harder. We're going to invest more. And if that, if that means we don't win, that's one thing, but we're going to invest more. We're going to work harder. We're going to do more film. We're just going to do more than anybody the rest of the year. And, and, you know, and obviously there was more than, more than him spoke. He was the first person that really stood up and, and we all took his lead that day. And it wasn't a player that was in the locker room after the Cincinnati game, after that, that heartbreaking, this loss, 16 nothing in the mud. And, and, and that's what we did. And, and that's what we went out and, and, and the senior class just led by example. And we went out and, and we outworked everybody from there on out and you know, didn't miss anything and held guys accountable. And just, yeah. um, and not, say that we, not to say we, we didn't feel like we were before, but, we just turned it up a notch and, you know, and it didn't come easy. I mean, everybody, you, you, nobody remembers the schedule. They remember the score. They remember, they remember the, the wins losses. Nobody remembers that we only beat Navy 14, nothing. Yep. They don't remember that we had to block two punts at Pitt to beat Pitt with a good running back, uh, Billy West. So, you know, pe- the- people remember the the, 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 the final record. They don't remember how you get there. That's it's all about scheduling. Well, I did, now one I one I do remember. I don't remember the other two. I do remember the UDA game because yeah. being down and everything that happened in the second half. With you know, there's always the stories. The Sugar Bowl officials are there. They're choosing one of these teams, and mm-hmm. we get down, and then defense bows up in the second half that allows mm-hmm. Druck and Miller and them to lead it back. I mean, again, I'm 12. I'm trying to go back in the memory bank, right? Like I'm, yeah. I'm, like a, I'm a middle school kid. When's the last time you watched that game, Curtis? When's the la- to watch the, which game? The UVA game in fact? It's been yeah. a while since I watched that one. I did. Uh, I'll say this. Rest in peace, Hopi Hokey tapes, man. Rest in peace, Hokey tapes. I do remember <laughs> this, though. Um, you were on the coaching staff for the first game I attended. Um, was UCF back in 2003. That was the first game I ever set foot in lane. I know you were a GA at that point. 
like that was a GA year where you still in high school in 03. All three, I was a GA. You're, yeah. you're a GA. So yeah. you were on the sidelines the first time I was there. Um, yeah. I watched that game in full this year. I don't. I just I just went down a rabbit hole one night and just started watching it because yeah. I mean that is what it is. So um, it's funny. You go back to the UVA game in '95. Yeah, and and everybody remembers certain things, and you can go back and watch the game, and and you can call me back and tell me if I'm wrong or not because I haven't watched the game in a long time. I I remember the best personal foul ever by George Darico. Okay. Right. So they get, and back then I don't think it was automatic first down or something, but so he gets a personal foul. It's third in, in, a, in a mile. Yeah. It gets him like to fourth and one. Instead of kicking a field goal, they go for it and we stop him. <laughs> like they were going to kick a field goal, but he did something stupid, something aggressive, and they fragged him. And then we end up stopping him. And then, uh, you know, people remember the drunken mother thing, but, um, you know, obviously I'm biased. Other than Bruce Smith, I still think Cornell Brown's the, the best player at D-lineman ever played at Virginia Tech other than Bruce. And literally we're on the sideline together before that last drive that we got the ball back to the offense. And me and him looked at so we got to go do something. And there was three plays in a row. I think he had a TFL, I had a sack, he had a sack, and he jogged off the field. And, and, and that's kind of, you know, you're going to have guys with that mentality that we're going to go out there and take it upon ourselves not, and not hope that somebody makes a play. Yeah. We're going to go make a play. So that's what I remember the most. And being trapped on the bottom one of those piles, I thought I was going to suffocate. <laughs> I, uh, I, Man, being I, at the of a pile is no fun at all. <laughs> no, I want to give people hell. I, I thought I was going to suffocate. I really did. But it was good. The first cigar, the first cigar, right? So there we go. First cigar. Go. And, and, you, and you have made it a trend. I love yeah, the trend it, in that stadium, Coach. The, the worst part is the locker room is like a hookah bar after this year. I, we, we might be able to put the brakes on that thing. All cigar smoking needs to be outside. But it was, yeah, <laughs> then they'll turn the sprinklers it, on you again. Oh, yeah. That, that just that just made it so much better. I mean, I'm so glad <laughs> they did. That just showed you how petty they were. And it was just that, – that really made it even even better. It really did. If they would have just took it. But that, that just shows you what kind of rivalry it is. And, and, yep. It was it was funny. I got a kick out of that. I was, you know, honestly, I got a kick out of that. So. <laughs> well, coach, we're gonna close it out with this question here. You're sitting in a restaurant right now, enjoying some barbecue in the DC area, but let's pull it back to Blacksburg. We always ask all the all the coaches and players that we have on, what's the go to spot in the burg when you're going out, whether it's for beers, food, whatever it may be. What's your go to spot? Well, when I first came back, you know, and, and the family wasn't with me, I flipped the coin between McAdoo's and PK's. But I do find myself at BW3's quite a bit because I do think they have the coldest beer on tap. But it's PK's. It, it's PK's by far. It, it's if, you, if, if I'm, we're going to go out or we're going to have a few beers or, you know, get a few, uh, get some dinner and stuff, I'm PK. Shout out to Mike Whaley. He's a great dude and we're close friends and have been that way since. Uh, since we were in college, and that, that's my go-to spot, definitely, is PKs. Has, uh, has Cheetah got you on the Cheetah wing kick, or, or how's that oh, going? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's so <laughs> funny is that, you know, I I refused to get him just because he was bragging on him so much. Like, I was, like, probably the last person to try him because I was like, no, I'm not – I wouldn't do it out of spite, you know. I was like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not eating those things just because you said they're good, and, you know. And they put them on the menu, and that made me even want to boycott them even more. <laughs> 
but then, but then I did try it, and uh, that's a staple. I, it, it's I don't get hot wings without the, the lemon pepper anymore. So cheetah wings, number one. Yeah, lemon pepper is always the way to go. It so. is a good thing. Yeah. As soon as I saw what what was it, I was like, oh yeah, this is this is gonna be a hit. Yeah, it was good. It was good. I'll give it to him. Well, well, Coach Price, um, you know, we really appreciate you taking 30 minutes of your day. We know how busy you are, you know, up and down the footprint. Um, and, you know, thank you for everything that's been done because I go back to 21, Brian. And, Brian, I think, we, were you over at the house that day? When, when you made when, – when you said what you said after beating UVA, um, I think that went a long ways. And I think a lot of people, I think for us, I think, you know, that was the beginning of the climbing out, in my opinion. In my I opinion, appreciate that. I really do because it because it showed how much this program meant to you and for us, for people who have been fans 25, 30 years, the alumni of the school. Yeah. It showed like when this place gets the right people, it's dangerous. hundred percent. In, in my feeling, Brian, and, I, and Brian's not far, is right with I'm going to rubber stamp that one right right away, man. It, it, yeah. it felt like the uh, the heart of the team had returned. Yeah. Well, it was totally un, unrehearsed. I had no idea what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so it just came out. It was from the heart, and that's how I feel. And, you know, my daughter, you know, my daughter's a sophomore now at Tech, and that's just – that's an incredible feeling, you know, come full circle. All right. Well, Coach, you go finish up your meal. We're sure you're probably about to hit some uh, – uh, what, what's the name of the conference, Brian? I always forget it. I always screw it up. The conference up in D.C. Oh, I'm blanking now because you called me out. Matha and – Oh, the WCAC. There we go. You go oh, yeah. get all those WCCA schools in the next yeah. few hours here visiting yeah, your well. D-linemen. We appreciate you taking the time this afternoon to spend with us. And um, go Hokies, Coach. Well, I no appreciate it. And, and the, the one we got coming, he wasn't allowed to uh, enroll mid-year, but Emmett Laws is going to be a beast. He showed it. He showed yeah. it in that, he showed I, I'm, it in that I'm game. I'm excited. I'm excited yeah. about that one. I am too. All right, Coach. Appreciate the time. Well, no worries. Appreciate you guys and anytime. Appreciate, appreciate it. Have you. a good Take one. Take care, man. was fire. Yeah, the, nothing but uh, nothing but the heat from Coach Price there, man. He really brought it. Um, I really, you know, you, you can tell he's speaking from the heart at all yep. time, man. Like every everything just seems so authentic when it when it comes out of his mouth, and um, you know, he spoke a lot of truth. I mean, talking about some of the guys that that are coming in, and yeah, I, I loved him talking about the uh, the feelings towards. You know, guys like Copeland and uh, how excited he was that, you know, he got peoples in the boat and he stayed in the boat and to, you yes. know, got enrolled. I mean, just that whole thing, man, was was really awesome to hear. Well, then hearing right at the end there, and that was kind of uncompromised. We didn't we, – we hadn't planned on mentioning the young guys. He's excited about Emmett Laws. Yeah, yeah. And, and you yeah. know – He brought that up un, unprompted. Unprompted. <laughs> we, 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 I didn't think about mentioning anything with the young guys. I'm coming in, but he brought that unprompted. It tells you a lot right there. Um, and he does. He loves the school, like Robbie said there. Um, we appreciate it. it. It was a great – I felt like um, – I felt like we could have went another 35, 45 minutes, another hour, honestly, just yeah. just, just talking with him back and forth. And, and it's funny how he recollected those plays. 
because now I pulled up the game and started hitting it. I had to find it, and it was very late in the game. It wasn't the last defensive series. It was the next to last. He won't off by much on where it was. Um, he went off by where he, he actually gave uh, – Cornell, I think, an extra bump because actually he, he he had the tackle for loss. Tackle for loss. And then they had back-to-back sacks. And, and here they are right there. This is 1995 with uh, exactly what Coach Price was talking about. We'll pull that up real quick. What a game. Thank you, John. Virginia trying to put this one away. They've got to get the ball going, though, as Grow is taken down. And again, it's J.C. Price, who's made two big defensive plays in a row. J.C. just kept pushing, pushing inside. Mike Rowe stepped up and got into Price's, Price's arms, and he just kept going there. And that's a nice job by Price, pushing his way through. A reminder, there's more football coming up. The second half of our doubleheader, Arkansas, LSU, and the SEC. Most of you watching this game will see the Northwestern-Purdue game as those Wildcats are having some kind of year. UCLA, USC, Colorado, Kansas State, Utah, BYU, all coming up next here on ABC Sports. Third down and 16, Grow under pressure, goes down again. George Del Rico and Cornell Brown. Look at that dance. I talk about Look at that dance. <laughs> by the way, it's <laughs> funny, and it's okay, actually, it, it, it should fair noted. After Cornell makes the sack, he picked him up. That's Jim Barron. Yep. Oh, Jim Barron, the, uh, just gets a hold the of individual the that uh, Del Rico, the linebacker, was doing a hug technique uh, on his coverage. Trying right to pressure Jim in space, he had nowhere uh, to throw the football. Virginia will have to give up the football. Um, and it's 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 awesome to see that. I probably am at some point. I don't know when. I'm probably going to watch that game beginning to end. It's It's been – it'll be 29 years. Yeah, you, you got to look at the, the best uh, personal foul ever. You got to find that you one. You got to find that. Well, he said that was late in the game, and I went later in the game, and, it, and it, it took me like two minutes to find that, so it didn't take me any time. But, yeah, and I love uh, – Chris Lester here mentioning about how excited they are about laws and Thomas. Yeah. The whole staff in general, he mentions about that, how personal they are and everything. Um, and they're a tight knit group. It sounds like are. too. So like they, they enjoy, I think they have a good energy, the complimentary energy. They seem to bring kind of the best out of each other. So I think we're starting to see them gel as well. Like we saw the players gel on the field. They're starting to gel as a staff a little bit too. So that that's really good to see. All righty. I'm looking up here at the uh, Hoops game. Hokies up six, under 16 minutes to go. Um, And, uh, well, here we go. I'm going to put this one up, Brian, because this is where we're going to next. We're going to talk about the early enrollees. And, Brian, I'm going to let you answer this question Thomas put up here before we get into those guys. But some, you know, you played at the D3 level. Um, But what is the importance for guys to get in early? you think i think it's big um and because there's gonna be two things that you've got to do as you're coming on campus that that's going to be important you gotta you gotta match the speed of of the game that step up in competition level and you got to get your body physically ready to play against that level of competition getting in there in spring helps you do a lot of the first and a little bit of the second so by doing that, you're going to get that type of a head start against anybody else that's enrolling uh, come fall. And that's even with guys that are working out with, you know, these, you know, personal trainers that are that are putting them through a collegiate level workout every day. You know, there's only so much that you can do outside of that, especially with having 
teammates that are at that level pushing you every day. You don't have that, I think, outside of uh, outside of the uh, the workout room with your teammates. So uh, the experience is invaluable, in my opinion. Well, I agree with the body thing. I also, I think it's habitual, right? I think getting there early, you start building your habits of the workouts, where I'm going to meals, how classes run, how I'm looking at film, when can I go meet with coaches versus the guys. And it's it's not knocking the guys who are getting there later that, that everybody has their own journey, but getting there and building that habit to where when fall camp rolls around, you know exactly what you're going to do, how you're going to do it. You're, you're going to be very programmed to yourself. So all that going is we did have quite a few early enrollees, and we want to look real quick here between me and Brian, who we think potential impact players in all phases, um, who we think are probably guaranteed to be on special teams, and who might need a year, who might need to sit down a year and uh, officially take a red shirt. You know, that's, uh, you know, we could call Chris Coleman out. Chris Coleman would say red shirt, all of them, but we're not in that air anymore, Chris. Always be red shirt. So real quick, <laughs> if y'all do not know what high schoolers enrolled early, let's start with Keelan Brody Adams. He's already there. Joshua Clark. Did you see what Joshua Clark did the other day, Brian, at practice? I did not. What did he do? He's he, he got part of the 20 mile an hour club. He got clock going 20 miles an hour. All right, so he's, he's rolling out the gate. He's rolling out the gate. He's, he's got that Josh, track speed. Track speed and at 6'2, 180 already as a DB. He's already has that potential to be built for significantly bigger. Hey, uh, l- l- let's go ahead and comment here. Jim, Jim's got it right, man. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> that is very, very, very true. Oh man. Uh, hit up Chris's too, man. Chris, we sorry, man. I know he's not at home and he's up in Blacksburg. But you know it's a good thing. You know it's a good thing. You know it's a good thing, Chris. All right. We got Derek Dandy, the uh, big defensive end out of North Carolina. Andrew Hanchuk, the Ohio State um, – excuse me, the Ohio native, uh, the defensive tackle. 757 zone Gerard Johnson. Tyler Mason, Mr. Video Game Numbers, running back. Quinn Reddish, safety. Quinn Reddish, safety, Brian. And uh, Spoiler two- alert. <laughs> Chance Wiggins and uh, our one of our favorite. We got to interview and talk with him last spring, Gabe Williams. So, a lot of highly talented guys um, on there, Brian. So, I'm going to kick it to you first. Who has the potential? Who has the potential? All phases. Uh, I think Quentin Reddish, just because of the position need uh, and – him being really under the radar in terms of his skill set and what he's bringing to the table. Um, good height, good, good, good size coming in. Um, you know, lot, tackling machine, good in coverage. Uh, he's a guy that I think is poised to be at least in a rotational position um, in year one. All righty. Um, because you took him already, I'm going to take someone else. I think with the injury to Steven Gosnell, I think Brody Adams has a chance. Because of Adams, crisp route running ability already. And Brody coming in 6'2", 185, he's, what, 10 pounds? Probably something he could gain over the next eight to ten weeks in this type of program. And we already know if it's the competition he played with down the 7'5". And, again, I just think having someone – and, Brian, you talked about it when he, uh, when he first committed. He is an elite route runner. Yep. And when you get guys like that, sometimes it's such an easy transition in him getting there early and everything. Um, 
but my second and would be Quentin Reddish because of the safety room. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be crazy to see which of these guys can, um, are there other guys? I mean, there's a reason why two running backs left, Rod. There's a reason. Yeah, that, that was that was gonna be kind of my you know, you talked about Brody. Brody and Tyler are gonna be kind of my my two A, two B on that list. Um Brody for the same reasons you mentioned. Um uh, and Tyler just because I think he's gonna have some opportunity. And I think there's always room for a guy that has that type of production. You at least want to get him out there, see what he can do against the step up in competition. Um you know, we talk about, you know, it's it's Mount Airy. The, the the competition level was a little bit lower, but I mean, yeah. you you can't fake those type of numbers. No, you can't. You I can't. mean, you... six thousand yards in his career in high school. Thirteen point one a carry. Carry. My <laughs> man's averaging a, a a first down and change a carry. Carry. <laughs> <laughs> It's not a joke. Um, so, but there is a reason. There is a reason now that he, he he comes in and guys leave, and it's you know no disrespect to Chance Black or Bryce Duke, but there's something special about this. All right, let's flip it, Brian. Let's talk about special teamers. Um, who definitely? Uh, oh, first of all, we got a couple guys hitting here. We'll hit Coach Compton up talking about Tyler Mason. <laughs> different, different. But let's talk about uh, who's definitely on the field special teams wise, one way or the other. Yeah, that, that's that's gonna, that's a harder pick just because. Do you want to waste a, a year of a guy's eligibility primarily running special teams? Um, in most cases, no. In in most cases, I'm I'm with Chris. Uh, <laughs> we got to be red shirt in those cases. Um, you know, looking looking at this list, if I had to. If I had to pick anybody, um, yeah, I could see a Joshua Clark with that speed um, getting on the field in some way that could be a contributing factor in special teams. Okay, that would that would probably be my top pick if we were going to do anything there. Well, that type of speed. I mean, you think Gunner, you think things like that. Um, I'm gonna give you my. I got a one A one B. My one A is Derek Dandy. I think just a guy that size, I, I immediately size in his some of his athleticism, immediately kick returns, probably doing stuff on a punt block unit just because of his size and getting him on the field, getting engaged with bigger bodies, being on the defensive line. My second, and this is going to be what happens this spring, and it's going to be a close story to watch. We already talked about it with Quentin Reddish, right? Safety position. If Keonta Jenkins start spending time in the safety room. Caleb Woodson's going to take over starting role. He showed he probably could do it. But then that gives Gabe Williams a chance to not only get valuable reps at linebacker where he is going to play and with his frame, most likely if he does what we think is going to happen, he's going to be at will, but getting on the field doesn't hurt. But again, Gabe's length, athleticism, punt block unit, kick return units, things like that. That's where I lean with those guys and sort of say, you know, you, you guys who are six four, long arms, those are the guys that somehow sneak through and get their hand up, and the next thing you know, a kick gets blocked. 
yeah. one way or the other. And I could I could see Gabe having a uh, Kelly Lawson level of uh, gains uh, between this spring and next spring, um, where where he's going from, you know, right at two hundred pounds to kind of that two twenty, two fifteen, two twenty range, um, where where Will's on the table um, in terms of uh, his position uh, slotting in there, so. Um, look, look for that, but I, I'm kind of with you that that would probably be my B. Um, if, if we were going to get somebody on the field consistently, um, it would be, uh, it would be Gabe, um, getting him up to speed and things like that. So, um, but yeah, if we're talking just special teams, it, it, it's going to be Joshua Clark. I feel like he could probably impact the most. All righty. Well, now let's flip to this because we've talked about guys we think we should see out there this year. Anybody particular, not necessarily because they can't play, but just like you mentioned with, you know, with Gabe and a couple other of these guys, do we just want to get that red shirt on them because where they fit and how the ability that they have right now and where it's going to be in a couple of years. Um, yeah, it's going to be better. Um, you know, I think with all the guys coming out and all the guys that come in and some of the youth that we already have that we need to get some reps um, that's getting into that red shirt sophomore uh, range of their time in Blacksburg. Um, I think I think Hanchuk's probably definitely um, gonna gonna be one of those guys that's that's taking the red shirt this year because um, we do have guys like um, you know that that uh, Coach Price was mentioning earlier that had some nicks this past year that are younger and that's the reason you bring in so many guys in the portal, but you still have those guys waiting in the wings that we want to get some reps this year. So I feel like if, if there's extra reps outside of that first, that core four that we have, you know, um, I think it's going to go to those guys. I think some of those younger D tackles are going to take that red shirt and, may, and maybe really across the defensive line um, if we look at it from that perspective. I'm real quick going to answer a thing here uh, from Thomas. Um, no offensive linemen enrolled early. Um, I don't think any of them had planned on it either. So, uh, again, everybody has their own path of how they get here. You know, you want guys to get in early, but sometimes if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Um, I'm going to give you the name I think is definitely going to be a red shirt this year, and that's going to be Gerard Johnson. And it's not so much that may, that I don't think he can play. I think it's figuring out what his body's going to do over the next 365 days. Does, does Gerard get here? Does he gain a lot of mass where he's going to play a three-tech at like 285, 290, or does he lean out and he's playing 6'4, 260, playing in? Um, you know, is he going to be a big end or is he going to be a undersized D, D tackle? Exactly. And, and again, that was something, if you go back, you know, just over a month ago now, that Coach Prowl was mentioning. He was mentioning, like, we've got to figure out what Gerard's going to turn into because you don't know what's going to happen. He's already 6'4, 250, or 245. He comes in, he puts on and gets lean muscle, and he's 265, you're going to stick him in in um, because you know that because of that height, and you did see he does have a little bend. Even being a bigger kid in high school, he has a little bend, which usually guys, to me, you don't see that. Usually guys who are bigger playing in, they literally just push the tackle back, right? They bull rush every time. You yep. saw Gerard lean a little bit, being a bigger kid. So that's the guy I think they – I think it's more of them – having to figure out what his body's going to do on the weight program, on the nutrition program. 
Yeah, because he's he's got a body that like right now, you know that that's a that's a prototypical DN body, yep. and, and he hasn't even hit a uh, a collegiate weight room, a collegiate mm-hmm. uh, nutrition program, or any of that stuff. So um, it'll be interesting to see if if they if they decide they want to try to get him to to put on some weight, and if they do, you know how how well that takes, and um, you know where he ends up sliding in, but. I definitely agree with you. I think that that's probably one that you could see red shirting for that very reason. Uh, no knock on his game or more so mm-hmm. on where is he going to fit in? And a, as we're working that in, you know, let, let's, let's figure out what that position is. So we, he's not having to strain too much from, you know, yeah. learning one position and having to slide to another position and things like that. Let, let's get him in there and, uh, and get him acclimated. And, and get him in, in that, that weight room and that nutrition program and see where the chips fall. 100%. I'm going to throw some up here, Brian, we were talking about, and this is our coach buddy, Robbie Compton, who has put quite a few kids in college and where he coached. And just, you know, a lot of the kids that went early said the best part was getting the swing of college classes, football workouts, and not the immediate pressure of in-season games. Because think about guys who get there in August. It's immediate. Like, hey, listen, in a month, it's going to be 66,000 people out there screaming. Are you ready for that along with going to class, along with, you know, meetings and all this stuff? It's a great point that uh, Robbie makes there. All righty. So there's our early enrollees. Um, obviously, it's going to be great over the next three months, Brian, following it, you know, between listening to Andy, uh David Cunningham, other people inside the program talking to a couple players about how this breaks down. Now, before we get into the back half where we're looking at what would be Virginia Tech's perfect schedule for 2024, we are going to take a quick pause for our digital partners and Main Street Pharmacy. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I can probably save you a lot of money, and I can take a lot better care of you. That's pretty much it. My name is Jeremy Counts, and I'm a pharmacist. I own and operate Main Street Pharmacy here in downtown Blacksburg. My brother's a pharmacist, I'm a pharmacist, my uncle's a pharmacist, my dad's a pharmacist. I remember he would give me M&Ms to count in little pill counters. This is something I've always done, and I'm just lucky that what I know so well is something that I can do and feel good about it and give back to people. Pharmacies are your frontline defense. Pharmacy's job is to make sure you're getting optimal care for the lowest price possible. Also, we take the pressure off of emergency rooms. I'll tell people immediately when they need to go to the doctor, or I'll tell them if they just need a cream over the counter. If there's something that isn't commercially available, if it's something that's not available in a certain strength or a certain form or anything like that, we'll make it. Tailor-made medications. Some of those options save people a lot of money. What motivates me? I get to take care of people in Lemon Blacksburg. That's all I need. As we take a quick break, we'd like to tell you about getting your free website report from our digital partner, Grassroots Digital Marketing Studio. They'll tell you how your website ranks on Google, on-site SEO, and social media. No commitment to buy anything. You can get your free report by visiting grassrootsdigitalstudio.com forward slash free dash website dash report. Now back to the episode. 
Alrighty, and we are back. All right, Brian, before we bring up the uh, spreadsheet here and go through our perfect schedule, I, I want to talk about the coaching stuff that happened. Obviously, last time we were here was the day Nick Saban retired. And since that point in time, Alabama made quick of it. It seemed like that they may have known about a month beforehand that Saban was going to retire. Um, and that's all fine and dandy. By the way, Hokies up eight under 10 against BC. Um, but they hire Kalen DeBoer. Kalen DeBoer, who just took Washington to the national title game, um, had a great season the season before, had good seasons at Fresno State, won NAI. The guy's never lost wherever he's coached. Um, but obviously there's been some residual effects of him coming because there's guys getting in the portal leaving Guys saying the only reason I came here is because I wanted to play for Saban. Um, what do you think about a the hire, but then the fallout? You know, I think that I'm with you on the uh, this was known beforehand. Uh, that's a quick turnaround for a like you didn't hear anything about a search committee or any of that shit. Like it went from Saban stepping down, and like four or five days later, I right, we got our guy. Um, you usually don't see that quick of a turnaround for that level of program, right? So usually it's a, a little bit more of a process um, finding that replacement to, let's be honest, like a legend, uh, arguably maybe the greatest college football coach of all time. Um, you know, you, you, you can debate that if you want to, but he's certainly into the discussion. Um, and then you got Kalen DeBoer, who, like you said, has won everywhere he's been. Um, has had great success everywhere he's been. Um, that's a that's a big hire. Um, I expected it, it. It wasn't as Alabama of a hire as I expected, sure. uh, so I'll say that. Um, it was definitely a little bit of, of left field. It's a guy that you know hasn't really you know Alabama's a national program. They recruit everywhere, right? But yeah. they still primarily recruit in that six or seven hour window of their school, mainly because that's where all the fucking talent is, right? <laughs> Georgia, Florida, they're there, drives from Texas. That's where the fucking talent is, right? So so it helps that that's where you recruit. So not having a ton of experience recruiting in that area would be the thing that would give me hesitancy as if, if I was an Alabama fan. But otherwise, it checks all the damn boxes. It does check all the damn boxes, and I, and I think it was, I mean, the guy's a winner. And I think also you get a feeling it was Saban's handpicked. You, you have a feeling. You have a feeling Saban wasn't going to let anybody just walk in there. He's still going to be part of the program, you know, like most the head coaches who retire. No. Um, and I know everybody says you don't want to be the guy after the guy, and we'll see how that takes place. Um, he's already had, for example – the, the the left tackle guy is the one I don't completely understand because the O-line coach coming literally just coached the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line. He's going to Iowa. Well, here's the thing about Iowa. That is not a good offense. I don't get that. I don't get that. So, But we'll see how it all pans out. You know, there's obviously residual move. Jed Fish, who led Arizona to a great season down at, uh, you know, down at Arizona. Um, he takes the UW job. Uh, not a shock there. He turned Arizona around unbelievably. I don't think yeah. anybody saw that happening. 
Yeah, no, yeah. nobody saw them. Like, I think people saw them getting kind of steadied out, leveled out. Yeah. I don't think they saw them taking the big steps that they took this year. And win nine, ten games like they yep. did this year. And then, obviously, the last piece was uh, Brent Brennan, who'd been at San Jose State, um, who'd had some success there. He takes over Arizona. so And I'm sure there's somebody with Sarah, San Jose State, but I'm looking at just the Power 5 schools in this case. All righty, Brian. Let's move on, um, and let's do it here. Let's talk about the perfect schedule. Get that up. Now, obviously, yes, we have been discussing this and we've been putting our stuff in, and yes, some things leak. We will get to those because it's a hot topic. We're, we're still going to tell you exactly what we think a perfect ACC schedule will look like, even though we know where two of those outside of the UVA game, which is always slated uh, in the end of November, uh, are going to fall here. So we're, we're looking primarily at week five through week 12 here. We know week 13 is going to be after Thanksgiving. Uh, we're going to beat the shit out of the Cavaliers again. So we know that's happening. We're looking at everything else uh, after the non-conference games. All righty. Well, Brian, we just come off a game at Rutgers. Uh, Non-con is done. Where's the first ACC matchup for you? Well, I think we're going to take a little trip down to Durham. And we're going to face the Blue Devils. Um, I think this is a good kind of test, but also a, a decent warm-up for the ACC schedule because I feel like Duke is probably going to take at least a small step back relative to where they've been the last couple years. Um, but I think there's it's still going to be a solid solid opponent. Uh, obviously, you're playing at their place, so I think you know you, you factor in those two things. It's a it's a good little good little combo there, but I I, I think it's a good way to kind of ease into the ACC schedule. It's not it's not the the weakest team in the in the conference, but you're also not getting a heavy weight out the gate. No, not at all. And and believe it or not, I'm I'm right with Brian on this one with having Duke. It's Lane Stadium South. Let's go ahead and mark that. There's going to be about it's going to be about seventy thirty uh, Hokies to Blue Devil fans. Whenever we play them. Um, I don't care when it is, but I think it's to your point. They're, they're an okay team. They're going to give you a challenge. It's also having a road game early with not a heavy travel. Yep. And we'll get into that in a little while here without a heavy travel, but getting into that routine. And I know people are like, well, we, we've already have been to ODU at that point would have been to Nashville. The opening game, don't ever count opening games just because – it's so much prep work going into those. It's so much prep work. And it like, even that schedule is usually funkier than your average road trip schedule is going to be. Exactly. So with this, you, like you said, you kind of land out of the gate and you get a pro crowd. It's not a long drive. Um, and again, it gives you a little bit of a challenge. Uh, Tally and Shelton were good enough, even though they aren't here tonight, they pop theirs and believe it or not, week five, we were, across the board <laughs> like let's just go to duke week five and get this out of the way <laughs> all right so week six brian yeah i went a little sideways with this one um i'm gonna oh, go man. ahead and put georgia tech on there okay um i think it's kind of a a similar situation it's a little bit of a mid-tier uh probably a little bit lower on the mid-tier uh than duke um, but still a team that's going to give you a challenge, a team that does some things a little differently than what Duke will do them. Um, so you get a different look there as well. Uh, so I think that's a good way to kind of ease into the meatier part of the schedule. 
All right. For me, get the big road trip out of the way. Get on the plane. Fly to Palo Alto. Play at the farm. Get that one done in early um, early October. This would be like the October 5th game, effectively. Um, Stanford not coming off a good season. Obviously in a big rebuild right now. Get it out of the way early where they maybe haven't found anything yet. Um, also, this game comes right up against the Notre Dame game. Probably could potentially overlook the Hokies. Um, but my bigger one here is just I don't want to be flying to Stanford in the middle of November or even yeah. early November. I don't want a, a late game that late just because of the the travel and you know, how much – you know, that can do. So uh, let's go to Stanford week 12. By the way, this one's still – both of these games are still on the table. This could happen. I hope they will. All right, Tally and Sheldon, what they got here. Tally followed me. Now, Sheldon went a little sideways there with Miami. We'll, we'll, we'll trip down to Miami. Well, well, I think I look at Sheldon. I think Shelton's basically saying play an okay team and then play a team that's going to be perceived um, to have a better season. Like go ahead and get fair. that test and then have a big road trip the next week. I wish they were here to discuss their things a little bit more, but they got things going on. But there you go. We got two agrees and then one home game and one good uh, and win one other away game. All right, week seven. All right, week seven. Now we're going to Palo Alto. Now we're going to Palo Alto. Still early October. We we got we got our two like mid-tier warm-ups. Let's take it out there. Let's beat up on a team that should be still at a rebuild, um, still early enough where you're probably getting them not quite fully settled. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, early to mid-October out in Palo Alto, that's probably not a bad place for a road trip if you're going to take that one big trip as a Hokie fan every year. So, I'll, I'll, uh, the Santa, <laughs> that, that area, yeah. like mid-October is probably 60s. You know, if you're a wine drinker, go out to Napa. Maybe the Niners are playing the you know the Sunday game, and I could you know max out a credit card and sleep on the couch for about six months. I, I maybe, that sounds fun. Uh, you know, maybe. All right, but for me with this one, what we're you six got? games in. Open bye week. Take a bye Time for a bye week. We need a bye. Take a break. We need a bye. Take a break. You just come off of going six and zero. Oh. Um, you got some meaty, meaty on the back end, some good teams. So give me the bye week this week. All right. All right. I feel that. The tally had Georgia Tech coming in right there. Tally like layering it up, like play okay, play bad, play another okay team. Yeah. And he's got, he got the two road trips. He had to throw a home one in there. Got a home game in there. I ain't home yet. Oh, look at you and Sheldon the green. (laughs) <laughs> you know what great minds man great minds great minds great minds all righty week eight what say you Sigla? we taking a break in week eight taking a break in week eight all right seven games ideally ideally we would be taking a break in week eight ideally <laughs> that that still might be a potential right oh no no, no. yeah yeah that's right that's boston college yeah okay so Yep, it's mid-October. Two teams likely with really good records sitting there. It literally would be October 
19th that this would have happened. I mean, that, that would be one of those games, right? One of those games you go down for. One of those games, maybe game day shows up for Clemson. Yeah. So I and, and I think at this point in the season, I think the confidence is built. I think um, they're not the Clemson of what they were six, seven years ago. They're still really good defensively. They still have got some game breakers on offense. It still would be a challenge in that game. Clemson, Clemson, this past like the past year, probably what they're looking at next year is about where they were in like 2011, right? So yeah, good. A really, a good really team. good, a really good team. Some flaws. Some flaws. Well, the biggest flaw is the person wearing the headset. <laughs> <laughs> All right, where's Tally and Sheldon on week eight? Tally's with me. We got a bye week, baby. Bye week and show look at all y'all. Look at all y'all. Well, guess what? I still might be right about the bye week. Y'all wrong. <laughs> you probably are right about the bye week if we're yeah. if we're looking at uh that Thursday night game. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. So week nine, I'm I'm going Clemson because you got to get Clemson coming off the bye. I feel like that's the best place for them. If we were building this schedule just for the Hokies, which is what we're doing here, I want Clemson off a of bye. I want the opponent that I have to prepare for the most that I've got at home. Let's go ahead and take care of business coming off the bye. Hundred percent. And honestly, I want that on a Thursday night. Yep. You want that on a Thursday. Okay. Makes sense. But you know that that is where you say it's perfect because you know the power brokers at ESPN are not going to let Clemson Virginia Tech go to a Thursday night game. That thing. I know they're not, but I, that's where I want it. That's, that's where you it. want it. All right. Let's get to me. All right, you just came off Clemson. I don't want someone that could possibly be overlooked. I think Haynes King and what Georgia Tech did last year, you would not take them lightly. Like, you know, hey, this guy had a lot of touchdowns last year. They can score. Look how they played Georgia. They hung with them defensively for a while. I want to – coming off a Clemson game, you don't want someone you can overlook, whether you win or lose that game. Yeah, at worst, they're going to be a tough out. You You know what you're getting. As soon as you wake up Sunday morning, you know, hey, listen, we got to lock in. They have some playmakers. They they can win this game. But back-to-back home games after back-to-back road trips for me as well. All right. Good deal. All right. Tally, Tally's with me on Clemson coming off that, and so is Sheldon. No, 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 no uh, we're, we're at least keeping it consistent. Everybody here wants to play Clemson off that bye. Off the bye week. It is an absolute – it's a must. It's a must. All right. Week ten, I've got Syracuse. We got a we got a big win after Clemson. Hopefully, we're taking it. You're not going to overlook Syracuse in the artist formerly known as the Carrier Dome. It's still the Carrier Dome. They can rename it all they want. It's still a fucking Carrier Dome. <laughs> JMA Wireless. Nah, nobody. JMA Wireless. That is what a JMA Wireless. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, it's still Hinesfield, too, so don't, don't get it twisted. All right. <laughs> and see, I'm with you on this, but this one, I know you did it right after Clemson, and I'm doing it after Georgia Tech here. Go ahead and throw that up there, put that ugly orange S. This was the toughest one. Yeah. And I was doing, like, it literally, I was like, well, do it here. I don't like it. Well, maybe do it. I don't like it early. <sighs> it's that you can't put a trip to the Carrier Dome anywhere and feel good about it. You can't. You can't. The only way I put it in is like you you you're putting it after two hard games, whether you, again you win or lose those games. And again, I think having guys who played here and played in that environment 20, 30 years ago, 
Listen, yeah, they might not be a good team, but that place is weird. Weird shit happens up there. So don't forget it. All right. I heard they're renovating it. They might not have the visitor locker room in the top of the stands anymore. Well, let's hope they fix that. Let's hope <laughs> they fix it. All righty. Tally says, Syracuse. We got, a, we got a Boston College in there. Okay. Well, I mean, Shelton basically – well, look at Shelton. He went road, road, road. Yep. <laughs> Shelton's got a, he's only got one more road game to do here, so we got to figure it out. Got, he went road, 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 then we got home, home. So Yeah. All righty. Where are you week 11, Brian? And now we're eliminating. It's like there's only a few teams left. Y'all can figure out what these last few are. Boston College. Yeah. And I'm, we're, we're going we're gonna to kick some eagle ass at Lane Stadium in week 11. Week 11, it's going to be the early part of November. I'm with you. I won't BC here. Um, no apparent reason. I think it's more or less because we had to put Syracuse somewhere because I almost put – BC after GT, but then it's like, no, I don't want like three. I don't want like a really good team and then two okay teams with, you know, not very good, like solid, good to good quarterbacks and then go to Syracuse. Uh, so, yeah, I'm with BC here. What about Tally Tally? Tally had BC. BC. And I mean, really, you know, Sheldon just switched BC and Syracuse here. Yeah, that's it. All right. Week 12. Um, by process of elimination, Ooh, you know, I got Miami. The Road Miami. trip to Miami. Yep. All right. I'm Miami. Tally's Miami. Pop. Sheldon finally gets Georgia Tech in there. Georgia Tech. Well, that would make it a home-and-home home finish. So that would be an upside to taking Georgia Tech there. Um, I just want Miami later in the year. I want my – and there's a reason – I want Miami later in the year. Usually by this point, Miami has shown all their flaws and you can figure out a way to get under their skin and they will do something stupid and you will beat them. Um, early in the season, sometimes they're still locked in. By the way, leads down to two. Don't talk about it, man. Just woosah. Oh, look up. It's right here. What am I supposed woosah. to do? I'm looking at <laughs> All righty. So there is sort of our perfect schedule. Um which, you know, has effectively, as of today, we can't have the perfect schedules anymore. Hey, anybody listening out there, who got the best perfect schedule here? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put in the comments. Put in the chat. Throw a comment out there. Tell me who got the, which, first, the best perfect schedule Which schedule do y'all like best? Just remember Duke's, Duke, Stanford, Syracuse, and Miami are away. All right. So... I know we didn't get it. I should have sent you the graphic um, that they pulled out today. But obviously, if you haven't been paying attention, um, some of the primetime weekday games, especially the Thursday and Friday nights games uh, that ACC teams will be involved in, were announced. And the first one is week five, we have to go to Miami. All right. If we I'm don't a- have them late, I want them first. So that's the only upside that I get here but but here's what i don't like a it's gonna be a short week b we are playing physical ass rutgers y'all everybody that knows greg Schiano that has watched him that is gonna be a physical football game it was a physical football game in piscataway last year it was it's a lot of hard hitting so we are going to say that we're going to play that game we're going to have a short week it's a miami travel day so you know it takes a significantly longer time 
That's about a seven or eight hour flight down there, um, give or take. So basically, it really screws up prepping for that game. That's why I do not like that there at all. I get it. I get it. Um, but, you know, if, if if I've got to not have them at the end sometime in November, either kind of that week 11, week 12 range, I want them early. I want them, I want to make a statement that we beat Miami. Now, a- ACC, put the ACC on notice a little bit. Now, that would be the big piece. If you go down there and you stomp them, it's a, it's a statement across – the college football landscape, right? Right. Of yep. course you go because Robbie said yours. <laughs> he likes the later. He likes the later season one. Um. So on that, throw that other one up there. I want. I just want to address it. Um. The one right below that, Brian. You got your finger on the button. First of all, the incoming QB portal transfers. Give us about four months, because you've got to see how things go through spring. There have been times where a portal quarterback comes in. He's going to be the starter, and the next thing you know, they're benched and they're leaving. It's so early in that process. Um, and obviously, Brian, we will be taking looks at whoever we play yep. um, throughout the year. You know, every week we know the enemy. We discuss all the players um, and potentially what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, I think you got to look at you know some some of those guys, especially I think Haynes King is going to be the guy that you keep an eye on. I feel like he's going Second to be – I guess you still consider portal though, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see because we, because they weren't on our schedule this year. So I still consider him a first time and he's going to be the de facto starter there. So um, you, you consider him. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what, what some of those other incoming guys will do this year. But uh, not 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 playing Georgia Tech last year really for the first time in a very long time, you know we we didn't get to see what King looked like up close and personal. Yeah, and then, I mean you've got like you know you think about down at Miami you've got like a Cam Ward, you fully expect him to win that job um, and things like that. But again, I want to I want to hear stories out of spring practice. I want to see spring games. I want to see highlights. I want to see how they're gelling before we get into that. All right, Brian, let's go to the second game that we absolutely are guaranteed to know, and that is going to be October 17th. BC on a Thursday night. Mm. I love a Thursday night. I don't like that it's BC. Yep. There's a couple reasons. Number one, I think we're going to beat BC's ass anyway. But number two is that the times we didn't, I feel like it was always like a Thursday night game. And that's the way it always felt. <laughs> it, it did. It always felt like, I mean, don't, don't talked about if you ever walk into main street pharmacy, do not mention 2007 to Jeremy. He will probably immediately kick you out of the pharmacy and not allowed back in. Um, but it, it almost sets up. And then though. he will burn a effigy of Matt Ryan. Yes, he will. And that's okay. <laughs> that's perfectly fine. But seeing where that game is on the 17th, it basically is saying the week before, um, basically week seven will be the bye week. So Curtis has got one right. I got one right. More than likely. More than likely. I hope I get the Stanford one right. Because I think we all kind of looked and said, listen, we travel across country. You want that bye week to come afterwards. 
regardless. So Curtis is saying, go ahead and get them long trips out of the way first and then get your buy and then figure the rest of it out. And then come play BC. And then hopefully after BC, who do we hope still next week? Clemson. Clemson. And that would be, let's see, 26. So we were, y'all are actually right on top of it um, with that. So it'll be interesting. The full schedule comes out um, tomorrow. I think it's 530 on ACC Network. Obviously, we'll be back in a couple weeks, and we're, we're going to obviously break that thing down. I'm sure we'll be. And more than likely have a full boat. <laughs> Hopefully. I want my boys back. I want everybody in here. Um, Hokies up five with under three to go. One of the white kids with the headband just took a jump shot. He's not the one that looks like he plays at the Y. He actually looks physically like You said half their team looks like they play at the Y. I didn't say that. That was some, that was elsewhere. 45 <laughs> definitely looks like he plays at the Y. 12 doesn't because 12 is like 6'8". 45 looks like he's like 6'2". So, yeah. All right. Anything breaking here, Brian, as we finish this program and as we finish this game? I think we're good, man. All righty. Well, that does wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast brought to you by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Visit our website, BoundaryCornerBT.com. Listen to all of our episodes. Check out the merchandise shop. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all your podcast sources, Spotify, Amazon, Apple Podcasts. Check out Instagram where we are now going to be running them live. So if that's something that uh, that's one of those programs you like to have on in the background and listen to things, it is we are now there live every week. Always check out our buddy Jason Long at jasonlongmusic.com where it links you to all of his music on Apple, Spotify, his YouTube and Facebook pages. Um, Jason about to take a team to the uh, city uh, city tournament there, Brian. Oh yeah, trying to get. I think he said he's trying to go five of nine in titles, which with Jason's team is probably going to happen. So Jason, I don't know if you're out there listening tonight or if you're sleeping. Best of luck on the weekend on that. Roanoke Middle School wrestling legend, (laughs) (laughs) coaching legend. Sorry, coaching legend. Coaching legend. (laughs) All right, we thank you always out there for listening. The interaction we get, we really appreciate that every time, y'all. And as always, let's go, Okies.